Welcome to the official podcast for Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization. I'm Beth, aka Triumvir Clio. Hello again. Welcome back. I hope that you're well. I'm pleased to report that 2021 has actually arrived. Um, Of course, you already know that, but it's finally arrived for me too. (laughs) My favorite tweet about the new year is about the possible discovery of a 13th month when we all thought 2020 was finally about to end. Uh, But no, it's really January and it's really 2021. And it's getting close to February when this episode is going to drop. So um, so yeah, it's good to good to be making progress, right? Anyway, uh, today is kind of a special episode. Um, You're already aware that tragedies were presented in groups of three. Um, Aeschylus tended to make them trilogies, while Sophocles and Euripides just wrote three tragedies for each festival. Um, But in fact, they each wrote four plays to present. The first three were the tragedies that we've been studying, um, but that fourth play was its own thing a satyr play, not a satire, a satyr. Uh, These plays were bawdy and farcical and heavily populated with satyrs, thus the name. Um, Or at least that's what we understand these plays were like. None of them have survived except for today's selection, so that makes it kind of special. Um, And Honestly, my biggest surprise when I started working on today's episode was the the discovery that I actually own a translation of this play. Um, I figured that of all of Euripides' plays, the one I was least likely to own was the Cyclops. Um, But (laughs) there it is in one of my collections of Paul Roche's translations. Um, So that, of course, is the translation that I will be working from. I find it fascinating that I was sure I owned a translation of Helen when whatever week that was that we did Helen. Um, but no, no Helen, but yes, the Cyclops. Go figure. Um, anyway, so uh, this is a satyr play, which means, of course, that there will be satyrs. Um, and you probably already have a vision of what a satyr looks like. Goat legs and goat horns, right? Uh, like like Phil in Disney's Hercules. Uh, And that is one type of satyr. That's an Arcadian satyr that, um, you know, has the the goat horns and the goat legs. Um, The Romans called them fawns. If you're feeling Roman, it's a fawn. Um, But the other type of satyr is a Silenus satyr, named after the most famous of this type, Silenus. Um, And these satyrs were part horse, not part goat. Um, but not not like a centaur. They weren't as much horse as a centaur, um, which, you know, are the ones that have a man's body attached, sorry, a man's torso and, and head and arms, but a horse's body and four legs. Um, no, a, a satyr still has just two legs. Um, and they may not even be horse's legs. They may have horse's hooves, but they did have a horse's tail and horse's ears, and the rest of them were largely human. Um, So maybe hooves, definitely tail and ears. Um, Both types of satyrs are very similar in temperament. Um, They are totally party animals, and they derive great pleasure in chasing nymphs, much like Phil in Disney's Hercules. (laughs) Um, But Silenus specifically was considered to be very wise, Um, And he even helped raise Bacchus, which explains why he is frequently depicted as Dionysus or Bacchus's faithful follower. 
Um, so uh, especially in like Renaissance and Baroque art, if you see a painting of Dionysus, if there's a satyr with him, it is frequently Silenus, this, this specific one. Um, anyway, given this relationship between satyrs and Dionysus, um, it is interesting to note that satyr plays uh, with their not so serious take on very serious subjects are possibly the oldest form of theater in ancient Greece. Um, this makes sense because Dionysus, in addition to being the god of wine, is the god of theater. So the first plays were populated by Dionysus's drunken followers. Um, so even though we've read a lot of comedy and tragedy, the satyr play predates as a theatrical form. It predates either of, of those other forms. Um, we don't know exactly when the Cyclops premiered. So we don't know which three of Euripides' tragedies it was intended to follow. Um, it probably premiered sometime around 410 BCE, give or take a few years. Um, and it tells a story that we've already seen in the Odyssey, sort of. I mean, it's, of course, a different version because it is a satyr play. <laughs> the cast is very small. We have Silenus, Odysseus, and Polyphemus, who is, of course, the titular Cyclops. The chorus, as with all satyr plays, is made up of satyrs. Um, and in this case, the satyrs are the sons of Silenus, so they're the, the horse-style satyr. Um, and although um, they are non-speaking, of course, we also see some of Odysseus's crewmen. Um, and Roche includes the serfs of the Cyclops in his list of characters. Um, I'm not positive they necessarily ever have to appear um, on stage or that there isn't some overlap between that group of individuals and the chorus of satyrs. Um, so I think that would depend on the director and that would be a director's choice. Um, as you can probably guess, <laughs> the play is set outside of Polyphemus's cave. Uh, something that is frequently debated is the exact location of all of the places that Odysseus visits on his travels. By the time of Euripides, it was commonly understood that Polyphemus lived on Sicily, so that is the larger setting of the play. Um, and we haven't talked a lot about Greek history yet, but the the Greek empire, I mean, so it wasn't an empire like the Romans were. There was no unified government. But various city-states within Greece had expanded and, and formed colonies, you know, completely around around the boot of Italy like that um, on Sicily. So there are um, ruins of, of Greek temples um, on on Sicily. So it, it, it would not be unreasonable to think that Odysseus had traveled, traveled through that part of the Mediterranean. Um, so Sicily is the larger setting of the play, um, but the exact setting that, that where the place where we see is, is outside of Polyphemus's cave. So with that, I think it's a good time for a break before we go through the summary of just how Euripides tackles the story of when Odysseus met the Cyclops. place starts, Silenus enters from Polyphemus's cave. He grumbles about how he's too old for this, and he reminisces about 
the good old days when he was hanging out with Bacchus and the rest of the gods. But then those pirates kidnapped Bacchus. You may remember that story from one of the Homeric hymns to Dionysus, which was covered in episode 42, Greek Myth 5. Anyway, Silenus and his sons immediately set sail to rescue their beloved god, but they got blown off course and were shipwrecked on the shores below Mount Etna, um, which of course is on Sicily, and they were almost immediately captured by Polyphemus, who made them his slaves. So now, instead of singing and dancing and drinking with Bacchus, Silenus and his sons are shepherds. The boys are all off tending the sheep, and Silenus is stuck cleaning the cave before Polyphemus gets home. He hears his sons coming, and they enter, singing as they chase after the goats and sheep and bemoaning their lot in life. Silenus tells them to shush and get the animals into their pens. He sees a ship by the shore, a Greek ship. Clearly, they don't know what sort of creatures live on this island. Those Greeks enter, led by Odysseus. He asks where they are before he realizes that he is surrounded by satyrs. Silenus explains about the Cyclops and reminds um, them and recommends that they leave before Polyphemus gets home. Odysseus asks for provisions and offers to pay with the wineskin he has slung on his shoulder. Silenus, of course, asks for a sample before he agrees to the barter. He deems it so good that he says, screw Polyphemus, take what you want, and he exits into the cave. While he's gone, the chorus asks Odysseus for details about the war. Um, Remember how I told you that satyr plays our body? Yeah, this scene is that. You can read it for yourself. It is most definitely not safe for work. (laughs) Silenus returns with baskets of cheese and some lambs, and he tells Odysseus to leave as soon as he hands over the wine. But it's too late. They hear Polyphemus' footsteps. Odysseus asks where he and his men can hide, and Silenus suggests the cave. Odysseus doesn't exit, but Silenus does. Some of the chorus follow him, and others try to hide by Odysseus, and others just run around in a panic. The Cyclops enters and asks what is going on. One of the satyrs tries to make up a story, which Polyphemus finds hard to believe, and then he sees Odysseus and all of the baskets of food. He knows that these strangers are trying to rob him. Silenus then enters from the cave, having donned makeup and bandages, that he looks like he's been in a total brawl. He tells Polyphemus that he got hurt trying to prevent these strangers from robbing him blind. Polyphemus says that he'll take care of these intruders. He'll eat them. Odysseus finally speaks up and explains that he paid for these provisions with wine. Polyphemus doesn't know who to believe, although he's inclined to believe Silenus because he already knows him. But he does ask Odysseus who he is. Odysseus says that he and his men are from Ithaca and they're trying to get home from Troy. Polyphemus knows about the war and thinks that all of that fighting over one woman is it's just silly. Odysseus shrugs and says it was the will of the gods, so what can you do? He then goes on trying to make a good argument as to why Polyphemus shouldn't eat him and his man, which Polyphemus just finds to be boring. Polyphemus responds that he doesn't fear the gods, but he will do Odysseus the favor of eating him last. Polyphemus starts to prod the Greeks into his cave, and Odysseus cries out to Athena for help. Everyone exits except for the chorus, who sings a song about being eaten by the Cyclops. Odysseus enters and tells the chorus about how Polyphemus just ate two of his men. In detail. It's pleasant. 
He then tells the chorus that he has a plan to deal with the Cyclops. You should be familiar with it. He'll get Polyphemus drunk and then blind him with a tree trunk that's lying around in the cave. But he's going to need the chorus to help him do it. And they agree, and Odysseus exits back into the cave. Shortly thereafter, a very drunk Polyphemus enters along with Odysseus and Silenus. They have an outright bacchanal until Polyphemus stumbles back into his cave and passes out. It is during these festivities that Polyphemus finally asks Odysseus' name, and Odysseus tells him that it's nobody, which we know is a very famous part of, of this story. Uh, once Polyphemus is passed out in his cave, Odysseus and the chorus set to work on their plan. They sharpen the tree trunk, but then the satyrs lose their nerve. They simply can't help with the eye gouging. They've sprained their ankles, both of them, you know, the ones that they're standing on. There's just no way they can help any further. So Odysseus gets his men to help instead, and they stick the pike in the Cyclops' eye. Polyphemus roars back on stage, trying to find nobody who blinded him. The satyrs say that he's over there. No, no, he's over there. No, he's nobody, so he's nowhere. Odysseus, his men, Silenus, and the chorus cheerily gather up provisions and exit, and that is the end of the play. So what is there to say about this play? I mean, the, the biggest reason to study it is the fact that we don't have any other examples of satyr plays. I mean, at least with Greek New Comedy, we have a bunch of Roman knockoffs that give us an idea of what the Greek originals were like, um, but not so with satyr plays. Um, so if we want to know what a satyr play looks like, this is it. This is This is what we've got. But it does give us a sense of how these plays were simultaneously super serious and totally ridiculous. Um, it's it's like the movie Airplane. Um, it there you know there is little funnier than serious actors saying serious seriously ridiculous things but being totally serious as they do it you know stop calling me Shirley I, if you have not seen Airplane please please do yourself a favor and watch it 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 is it is absolutely ridiculous but you know the cast is comprised of actors who for the large part were known for drama for playing serious serious roles and and that's what makes it so funny and that's and that's that's what a satyr play is a satyr play is the airplane of the ancient ancient greek world um and so yeah that's what we've got that's what we've got going on here um euripides tackles part of the odyssey in this play obviously um and and again we see all of the actors um you know polyphemus and odysseus specifically but even Silenus somewhat um and being very serious they they there's nothing there are parts of this play that shouldn't be funny um if you just read them on the page and like this is not this is not funny but but because of the parody of of it all and because of the ridiculousness of the satyrs contrasting the seriousness of the actors um it takes this really gruesome section of the odyssey and it turns it into a farce um there is one big change that Euripides makes that I think merits pointing out. There are there are some 
like setting type things. You know, we don't have the big rock rolled back and forth in front of the mouth of the cave. Um, it, it, you know, we it. So there's some things like that, but I don't I don't think that those are um, as important literarily um, as this. Uh, I didn't mention this detail in the summary, so if you haven't been reading along, this will be news to you. Polyphemus cooks the men that he eats. In the Odyssey, he doesn't. He just bites off their heads and eats them raw. Um, so this is an interesting difference because one of the key things about the Cyclopes as we see them in the Odyssey is that they are not civilized, at least as far as Odysseus is concerned. But, you know, the, cooking your meat, <laughs> cooking your meat is a civilized thing to do. So Polyphemus is still a terrible host. And he's not totally civil in his behavior, but he is more civilized than the Polyphemus that we see in Homer's epic. Um, and I'm not sure if that was just a dramatic thing that that's why Euripides put it in for the drama of Odysseus describing how the Cyclops cooks his men um, before, excuse me, before eating them, um, or or what. But it is, it is an interesting thing when we look at this from a humanistic perspective and what it means to be human that Polyphemus is more civilized in this play than in Homer's epic. Um, so what do you think about satyr plays as an art form or um, this surviving example in particular? Please pop over to the blog and share your thoughts. The blog is at triumvirclio.school.blog. The URL and maybe a link are in the show notes. You can also find me on Patreon as Triumvir Clio, and that URL is in the show notes too. On Wednesday, we will read book 22 of the Odyssey. It should be exciting, a little sad, but mostly exciting. <laughs> Talk to you then. You can join the discussion of this and everything covered in this podcast by following the link in my show notes. And if you're enjoying what you've heard so far, please consider supporting the show with a monthly donation of your choosing, just like public radio. And please also consider giving a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice so that more people can discover the fun that is Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization.